we're kicking off a new series called Relentless Hope. We've been putting you through re-university all this year. And so we're talking about relentless. And the word we're focusing on today is hope. And so we, when you come to church on Easter, of course, you guys want to hear about the tomb being empty. And it is, praise God, and you know, that he got up so I can get up again. And that's normally the Easter message. But I want to try to put a little spin on that and show you the results of what happened because of the resurrection. And so I want to tell the benefits of the resurrection from the Apostles Paul perspective. It's the same depiction of what Jesus preached during his ministry about him going to the cross and dying and being rose on the third day. But watch how the Apostle Paul says it. He frames it this way in Ephesians chapter two, verses one through seven. If you have it, say amen. If you need me to hold up on you, say hold up. This service is smart because it's on the screens. None of y'all bought a Bible, which I'm just playing. It's fine. <laughs> or y'all just fast with the phone, one or the other. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, it says this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, we have to take responsibility for what we've done. You used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So when we're walking in disobedience, it's a clear cut sign that the devil is at work in us when we're disobeying God. Amen. Amen. And so all of us used to live that way. All of us. We all used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature were, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you were, you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us in with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards who? As shown in all he has done for who? Who are united with who? You are united with Christ Jesus. Notice that when Paul begins to tell this story, he talks about the responsibility we have to take. And our part that we play in Jesus Christ going to Calvary's cross and the reason God swore by no man but himself and sent his only begotten son into the world. And that he says, but we were raised with him. That's the good part of the gospel. The gospel is not that, you know, we're wrapped up in what we used to do. The gospel is that we were raised with Jesus Christ. And so when we come to church on Easter, every year we are reminded of the gruesome death of Jesus Christ. 
We're reminded of Calvary's atrocity, where he had to suffer a public shame, had to go before a court of his, his, his subordinates because he was God. Ah, God in the flesh, according to John chapter 1, and the word became flesh and dwelled among us, but yet he was judged by people he created. He was ridiculed by those he loved. He was ostracized by those he embraced. He was spit on by those he dried up. Come on, his beard was pulled out of his face by those that he clothed in righteousness. He was placed a crown of thorns upon his head by those he was the king of. Come on, the Bible says he was nailed through his hands and nailed through his feet to a cross placed between two thieves who deserved to be there, but yet he was without blame and he still went to the cross. And so every Easter we're reminded of this gruesome depiction and no other time in our lives does the words of John 3.16 ring any louder for God so loved the world. I like to make it personal for God so loved Fitzpatrick Pitts. You need to make it personal and when I think about the cross I think about the love of God. 1 John verse 4, 19 says this, we love because he first loved us. Because God bestowed on humanity a free will, man is not forced to love him, but rather consciously and freely chooses to the response he makes to God's love. Think about this. Our love did not begot his love, but his love birthed a love for him. And so our love is a reciprocating response to someone loving us when I didn't deserve it. All my married people, can I get a what, what? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so now we understand that our love is a reciprocating response. And so when we come in on Easter, it's all about the love that God has for us. And if I was you, I'm going to come to my first statement. You can take this in your notes, take a snapshot of the screen. But, but here it is. Hope is the bridge that carries us over despair to God's will for our lives. Hope is the bridge because when Christ died, there was despair. When you go through tough times, there was despair. In this year that we're living in, this pandemic year that we've come out of, that we're coming out of, praise God, yes, Lord. And we're coming out of this season of all these different atrocities in our culture, there's still hope. And there's a bridge that want to take us from destroyed to hopeful. By definition, despair is the complete loss or absence of hope. It's a complete loss of absence or hope. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the horrific despair that the disciples felt watching the betrayal, death, and burial of Jesus? Can you imagine as they watched the Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that they walked with for three and a half years that 
raised people from the dead, that opened blind eyes, mute, mutes were able to talk, the deaf was able to hear, the lame was beginning to walk. He had all this power and they believed in the power of Jesus and they saw it and they believed in the message that he was the coming king that was promised, die. Can you imagine what they felt in that moment? I know what I would have felt. I would have felt lost. Like I was with them all this time. Jesus, I saw you call Lazarus out of the tomb. Jesus, you, 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 you healed Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus, you just said, Tabitha Kumai. And she began to breathe again. Jesus, you're the one where the blind man was screaming your name and you just spat and you opened his eyes and he was able to see. Jesus, you did this. Why are you suffering all of this? The disciples did what a lot of us do, though. They put their hope in the present Jesus, the, the flesh of Jesus. And his death was not a part of their plan. They had plans for Jesus. They, they had plans for him. It's like parents. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We have plans for our kids. And we manipulate them their whole life because we have plans for them. My daughter better had listened to me and went to LSU. I had plans for her. Come on. Take a picture of this. I'll write this down. Sometimes... Our expectations don't match God's wills for our lives, though. Our expectations don't match God's will. I thought I was going to be president of these United States. I did. And then when that, that fell through, I thought I was going to play pro ball. When our, that fell through, knees were shot. Not the Achilles shot. Then I knew I was going to be a doctor till I realized school took too long. <laughs> then I said I was going to be just a public speaker, a teacher, not knowing that God's plan was for me to be a public speaker and teacher, yes. but on his platform. Because yes. sometimes our expectations don't match God's wills for our life. Proverbs 19, 21 speaks to all of us. It says, many are the plans in the minds of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. You see, the gap between God's desires and your opinion is called the place of despair. Let me paint a picture. On this side, it's us at, in the alpha of our life, and we begin to develop this mindset. They call it a paradigm or a philosophy. You develop a philosophy on how your life is going to go and how it's going to progress. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do one, two, three, four. I'm going to get straight A's. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to take care of this way, and I'm going to handle it, and I'm going to be very successful. I'm going to be able to take care of my family. I'm going to do all this, and we over here, and God is standing right by us. But then on the other side... Jeremy, I'm going to need you after this. On the other side, there's God because he's not only the alpha, but he's also our omega. And he's standing at the end and he's saying, this is your promise. This is your purpose. I need you to get here. And we're like, that look unfamiliar. 
I'm going to have to fight to get there. This other plan was easy. So we're in our alpha and we step off into the world trying to go our own way and we fall in this gap where we're not meeting the goals of our lives. We're doing stuff. We're walking around, but it feels dark and hopeless and there's nothing around us. That's called despair. And we chose to walk through the valley and God said, I didn't want you to walk through the valley. And that gap is called despair. And this is where we find a lot of people in our generation. They stepped off the lands of their alpha into the valley of despair. And now they're depressed. They're stressed out. They have been broken relationships. They make everybody around them mad. Because they're in despair. But the Omega... And the alpha says, I don't want you there. So he built a bridge called hope. Yes. And listen, when he built the bridge called hope, he says, I'm pulling you out of despair and placing you on hope. David said it this way. He took my feet out of moderate clay and placed it on the rock. Oh. Okay. Are you with me? Am I boring you? Online, I love you. I love you. Come back home. I love you. Some of you told me you're coming next week. I'd be looking for you. Listen, the followers of Jesus had their own thoughts on how the Messiah would bring victory in their lives, and the brutal death and hatred were not a part of that plan. That's like me telling y'all, you guys who came in for Easter, be like, thank y'all for showing up for Easter. Anchor is alive and well. We're back going. Woo! Now I got to go away. And I need all you guys to leave right now because you got to suffer. Y'all be like, hold on, dog. <laughs> Facebook said hope is here. Look, I didn't see you. I didn't see this church on Facebook, and I came to see you preach. Where you think you're going? All the elders and trustees be like, "Uh-uh, bro. I bought you here eight months ago. You tripping? Don't come back if you leave." <laughs> Why? Because that was not a part of the plan, and that's what the disciples experienced. We have to remember that they're walking through something that we're that we're reading. It wasn't written when they were going through it. They didn't know. They have no clue that. <laughs> can you imagine Jesus wearing Jordan 11s? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know. They wore dresses. What if I would wear a dress today? <laughs> dress. Did, who said amen? All right, now. Uh, vacation denied. <laughs> Look at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verses 31 through 33. It says this. From then on, this is after Jesus put his focus towards Jerusalem. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples that he, the Son of Man, was destined to go to Jerusalem and suffer great injustice from the elders. <laughs> this is Jesus. Hey, look, I know you love me. I know you see me do all these things, but I'm getting ready to suffer a lot. 
And from who? The elders, the leading priests, and the religious scholars. I wish I could preach this. Because sometimes we get so caught up in religion that we deny the relationship. Uh, they say you can't see the forest from the trees. We can't see Jesus from our, uh, our religious acts. Anyway, move on. I want y'all to come back next week. He also explained that he would be killed. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. But in three days later, be raised to life again. Jesus opened his heart. And spoke freely with his disciples, explaining all these things to them. Then Peter took him aside. <laughs> Peter, the rock. They call him the rock because he was hardhead. I'm just playing. Then Peter took him aside and, and, and rebuked him. Ooh, he rebuked Jesus. But watch what Jesus do. Jesus turned around and glanced at all of them. It was like he was talking to him. And you know how you're talking to somebody and you're getting ready to kill them with this cold-blooded drive. Like you about to dog them good. And you looking at them. And you're like, I'm about to get him. <laughs> and Jesus was like, I'm about to get him. And he says, he rebuked Peter saying, get out of my sight, Satan. For your heart is not set on God's plans, but man's. Let me say that again. Get out of my sight, Satan, for your heart is not set on God's plans, but man's. Let me ask you a question. Who in here has some plan and uh, it didn't go as planned and you begin to rebuke it? Come on, my church folk. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. The mic go, Satan, you get out of them speakers. <laughs> speakers didn't do nothing wrong. The devil ain't got nothing to do with it. You need an audio engineer to fix that. That ain't the devil. You, 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 your spouse and you feel a little different, and you're like, I'm, get off my spouse, you devil. And, and the devil like, I ain't do nothing. You're the one just, just so mean. Nobody like being around you. Deal with your attitude and your relationship will get better. That was free. That was free. And if you are the one that feel like it's the other person, it's normally you. And we're rebuking stuff that ain't really Rebuke, because God's plan is different than ours. See, hope is different from optimism. We're, we're, we're different. We're, we're not just glass half full people. That's what the world paint us Christian off to be. Oh, you got faith. You know, something going wrong in your life. You're, you're going through a sickness and, and you're going through things and, and you're still standing strong. You still got joy in your heart. And they're like, oh, my God, you, you, you just you just uh, just full of whatever. And da -da 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 -da. you like you have false this and false this. No, hope is different from optimism. Optimism because optimism is, is hopefulness and confidence about the future or the success or outcome of something. In other words, it's just, I hope it will happen. That word hope and that definition is the same word that the world used called wish. But let me tell you what biblical hope is. Biblical hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised. And it's strength in 
his faithfulness. In other words, uh, my hope is different than optimism because, listen, my hope is in something that was already done. I'm just waiting for it to come to pass. It exists. So when, when I tell people if I'm dealing with something in my body and I tell people by his stripes I am healed, I'm not wishing that I'm healed. I'm just saying healing exists. I'm just waiting for it to show up. So when we have problems in our lives, we need to begin to let people know that the problem was already solved through Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the answer to everything. Jeremiah 17, 7 says this, blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and rely on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is who? The Lord. It's the Lord. Who wants to be blessed? Does it say that your confident expectation need to be in Pastor Pitts? Does it say Pastor Kevin? Does it say the elders in the church? Who does it say our hope and trust need to be in? The Lord. Because if you trust in me, I promise you, I, I, ooh, I promise, I pinky swear <laughs> that I'm going to let you down sometimes. I will. That's why I put my trust in the Lord. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen? Amen. Are you learning something? Yes. Is this good to you? The Bible tells us that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How does he do this? He does this by causing a feeling of despair. Remember, despair is the absence of hope. You see, when Jesus was crucified, it looked like all was lost in the world. It looked like all was lost. The devil threw a party on Friday night. Looked like all was lost. The disciples dispersed. A few stayed around to watch to see how he was going to get himself out of this one. But when they realized he wasn't getting out of this one, they went their own way. And they began to weep and cry for their master was gone. Have you ever felt as if hope of the promise God gave you was dying? Who's ever felt that before? Like you're not going to make it out of this one this time. You're not going to overcome this one. You're not going to make it out of this one. You see, often the focus is on, on, on here it is. This is why you feel like you're not going to make it out. Because for years, and they may steal my preacher car for this, but that's all right. I'll still scream till my voice wears out. It, it's, it's, it's because for years we have preached the guilt of what you've done. And that's why Jesus died. Can I go old school evangelist? All have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. It was your sin that nailed them to the cross. You should have took those nine inch nails. You should have been lied on. You should have been betrayed. You should have been cast and put crowns of thorns on your head. You should have been mocked and scorned. You should have been whipped by the cat of nine tails. You should have carried that cross up Golgotha. You should have been placed on a cross between two thieves. And now we have Jesus in your place. You're the reason Jesus is on the cross. 
Who's heard that before? And preachers have used guilt and shame to manipulate you to come to Jesus. And they exploited it because we all know we done messed up, right? Am I the only one? I know I'm a mess up. That's why I ask my wife for forgiveness all the time. Be like, babe, I'm sorry. I messed up like four times last week. That was pretty cool. <laughs> she let me know too. I was like, hey, boo. You ain't even have a conversation with me. I'm sorry. I love you. That make everything better. Write this down. When Jesus rose from the grave and ascended into heaven, hope was restored and victory was given. Who loves the feeling of getting an unexpected gift that you did not deserve? Everyone hands should go up right there. Lottie, dotty, everybody, even the one who snuck to the potty. <laughs> Everyone loves unexpected gifts. Because we didn't deserve it, God gave it to us, and he loves us. The death of Jesus was, was the penalty for our sins, but the resurrection of Jesus was the hope for life and life eternally. Let me say that again. Don't worry about them. They're good. They're coming. They're cool. They're just taking their time. They don't know how to walk upstairs. I'm teaching them. You know they all see you, right? I don't know why y'all sneaking. <laughs> like nobody see you. I always wonder that. Like no one sees you walking. But look at me. Look at me. Because I don't want you to miss this. While we talk guilt and try to get you to confess, yes, Jesus' death was the penalty for our sin because the wages of sin is death. So something had to die. But... The resurrection of Jesus was the hope for life and life eternally. He didn't just die, but he lived. So I don't want you to stand here and feel the guilt of Easter. I want you to feel the love of Easter. We come to him because he loved us. That's why I set it up with 1 John 4, 19, that our love is a reciprocating response of love. Our love isn't a reciprocating response of our guilt. Yes, we were all guilty, but because of the blood of Jesus, we can all stand guilt-free. Yes, we've all messed up in our lives, but every time the enemy try to bring that before Jesus, guess what? Guess what Jesus leaned over and said? I got up for that too. There must be a forgiving heart. Romans 8, 11 says, just the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives where? Say me, say in me. Lives where? And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit. That's where? In who? In who? Come on, say your name. In who? It's in you. 
wants to raise your relationship. He's going to raise your finances. He's going to raise your life. But here it is. We have to move according to his will and walk the bridge of hope to his purpose and his promise. In conclusion, everyone stand to your feet. Paul's letter to Thessalonica, the first one, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14, it says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, I said all that, and this Paul writing and summing it up, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. No hope. You're at the wrong church to not have hope. Because you're going to have hope for your soul. In every situation, in every spirit of your life, you're going to have hope. Who believes that? For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returned, how many of you know he's coming back? He's coming back, that conquering king, the revelation says, he has eyes like fire, hair like wool, feet like brass, sash across his chest, a sword in his hand, coming back on a horse as a victorious conquering king, slaying the nations. Redeeming us back to him. Said God will bring back with him the believers who have died. I want to give you the lyrics of this song by Charles Wesley. I thought it was the appropriate conclusion. It says this. We can pull that up. The last lyrics. It says, Christ the Lord is risen today. Sons and men, angels say, raise your joys and triumphs high. Sing ye heavens and the earth will reply. This was a song about the resurrection. It talks about Christ being risen and what happened in heaven when he was raised from the dead. That heaven began to rejoice because it is fulfilled that all the earth is redeemed. They knew that we were now a part of the heavenly family. And he says when the heavens rejoice, we rejoice with them because we serve a risen king. Who believes that? what I want to do. You may be here today and you don't have that hope. You don't feel the hope. Don't, don't look around. Look at me. You're like, man, I wonder from Jesus. And I've been trolloping in the valley of despair. But today I want to come back to Jesus. I'm here to tell you Jesus wants you to come back to him. And it's as simple as this. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand right where you are. Don't be ashamed. Don't be concerned about what someone else is thinking. If that's you and you say, Jesus, I, I want you. I see your hand in the back. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Jesus, I need you. I need to come back to you. I need to come back to you. If you're online, hey, same thing for you. The Bible says he sent the word and it healed them. Come.
Come on, can we pray with our new family members? Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Come into my heart. I thank you for your sacrifice. Now live in me, and I'll live for you for the rest of my days. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise right there. Thank you for listening to this message from Anchor Chapel. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries or to support us, you can do that at anchorchapel.com. You can also follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.